Next up is Dogma from 1999, starring Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, uh, what's her name, Linda Fiorentino, and a handful of others that I'm sure we will discuss a little more, but just to give you a high level of uh, starring actors. Uh, for, for the brief synopsis, uh, two unruly angels seek to exploit a loophole to get back into heaven and ultimately, potentially, destroy the entire universe. No big deal. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, I added to that, it's up to a ragtag team consisting of the last Zion, a couple of dopey prophets, and the long-forgotten 13th apostle to stop them. Hilarity and potentially unintentional social commentary ensues. <laughs> potentially unintentional? <laughs> I'd love to know it's unintentional. Anyway, so... Uh, unintentional in the sense that there is a rubber poop monster in it. How serious could he have been with this movie? To all the people who, uh, a point that he's made to all the people who like have boycotted it and protested it and stuff, both right. at the time and since, he's like, there's a rubber poop monster in it. <laughs> Get over yourselves. <laughs> oh my, I like, I remember, like, I, I just read something about some guy, I don't remember the guy's name, that was like, he had been protesting the movie for like six months or something, and he talked to like one of Kevin Smith's people, I think, and like asked to get a copy of the movie so that he could actually watch it and make more educated comments about it. Yeah. And Kevin Smith's like, what comments were you making before? Like what, <laughs> where was it coming from? You know, yeah. like, I mean, yeah. so it's, Oh God. Yeah. Just shit, shit like that is just yeah. the fucking worse. Like, honestly. Um, yeah. it's I, not I mean, surprising though, right? Not, <laughs> I mean, are you really not, surprised at all? Yeah. Yeah. No, all the people who were protesting it on like opening weekend who obviously they hadn't seen the movie. Right. But they didn't like the premise. Right. They just or, know they just knew yeah. something was in there that was going to bother them. And it's like, yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so like, I guess to like, on that note, like talk about a little bit of, what might be construed as offensive or as like, you know, mocking religion basically in this movie. I mean, we get George Carlin as a Cardinal Cardinal Glick, I think it is. Yep. And he, so like, if you're not familiar, I mean, he's since passed, but George Carlin is a, was a very vocal atheist. He was not a religious guy. He's got many, many interviews where he says a lot of bad things about religion and things like that. And so it's like they put him in this cardinal role and he's trying to revamp this church and he unveils this statue of what he calls Buddy Christ. And it's like, it's Jesus and he's smiling and he's like winking and pointing. And I, it's it is the most ridiculous thing like yes. it is is so crazy and i mean the, well the premise ahead. being that jesus on the cross is too depressing that's not <laughs> it, it's oh it's too God. depressing that people don't want to see that like we need something more upbeat right it's like as, as a mascot <laughs> right and so like essentially that's like the idea is like he 
at this unveiling says that essentially while they're doing the rededication of this church, anybody who comes there will be forgiven of all of their sins. And so that's kind of what sets the wheels in motion for this entire plot. I mean, it's, we get, we, we get glimpses of, uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon's characters, um, Bartleby and Loki. Loki. That's right. And so (laughs) this, this, so like Loki is, he's, he's more, it's like the first thing we see him doing is talking to a nun and he somehow convinces this nun that like everything that she believes in is wrong. And she like, accepts it like that i'm like okay this is not how conversations (laughs) with religious people go i'm sorry this is not the way it works and it's like she's just like oh i'm i i can't believe you know i like i i i i don't know what i'm doing with my life or whatever and it's like oh god um right because you have these two they're they're two fallen angels right that see this as an opportunity to get back into heaven you know, they've right. been cast it's, out by God, mm-hmm. and this is their chance to get back into heaven. But by doing so, there's some premise somewhere in the premise is it like proves God is fallible, and therefore like it'll jeopardize existence or something. Right. Well, because it's <laughs> the, like, isn't it yeah. like Loki was the angel of death? Yes. And Bartleby convinced him to like step down from his post to cast down his fiery sword or whatever. Right. Right. So that got them banished to Wisconsin, I think was like their, their dreadful fate is like going to Wisconsin. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I get that. Uh, But yeah, I mean, essentially it's the, the story is following these two characters, these fallen angels that want to go to where, the buddy Christ statue is they want to go in there and they want to be, you know, they're going to be absolved. And so it's like, then on, then on the other side of the story, we have, uh, Linda Fiorentino. Am I saying Fiorentino? Okay. So, um, we have her character and she is the last Zion. And she is this, uh, this, this, uh, Baron, I guess I would say like this, uh, she works at Planned Parenthood and she, you know, so it's like there's abortion protests and stuff like that going on outside of her work all the time. And she gets approached by the great Alan Rickman to. Who is playing the Metatron, the voice of God. (laughs) Right, right. So, so it's like he, he comes and like, kind of like tells her who she is. Like she doesn't realize obviously that she's the last scion and he, he convinces her. And I mean, Alan Rickman, is he ever not great? He's amazing. Anything? I mean, he's, he's amazing. Fantastic and everything. So, I mean, you get, you get some like comedy of like, you know, him not being able to drink alcohol, him not having genitals, just different <laughs> things like that. I mean, it's just, strange biblical comedy that I don't feel like you've ever seen in a movie before. Like it's, it's pretty rare. At least I I would think to like see this kind of thing. So it's like, it's, it's a really cool concept. And, um, 
yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm trying to think if there's, so like, you know, she gets, she gets kind of told what the plan is with her. Um, and so they, they kind of have this journey to get to this New Jersey mm-hmm. church. And so, I mean, you get, you get all of these, these great comedy moments and things like that. Well, it's basically somehow they, they, they weave a situation where it's up to her, Jay and Silent Bob, and Rufus, the 13th apostle, played by Chris Rock. <laughs> right. They have to band together to basically try and stop them from right. getting into the church. And then you find out that also the devil has figured out what's going on. And so he sends these demons with hockey sticks, the poop mm. monster, and... uh uh, who is it? Uh, Israel played by Jason Lee mm-hmm. also to try and stop him. But Israel right. kind of doesn't want him to stop because he's also been slighted. So, so he doesn't, I, I th- something like that. But uh, so basically you have this kind of adventure uh, ensues where, where you've got these different people all trying to get to New Jersey for their own, for their own purposes. But right. I think be- before I go further, though, I, I do want to comment on the name of the movie itself, right? Because we're talking about, you know, obviously this this pokes fun at religion in many ways. It it plays with, you know, a lot of, you know, the uh, the stories and the characters from the Bible and things like that. But it's called dogma. Dogma, mm-hmm. by definition, is like the human interpretation of the religious laws and the religious statutes and all that kind of stuff. Right. So like, I think it's important to point out as he has done many times himself that like, he's not so much lambasting faith or religion Mm. itself. He himself was raised Catholic, considers himself a practicing Catholic goes to church. Like he does now he did at the time he did before growing up. Like he, so, so he's like, an insider, right? He's from the inside, but he's poking fun at the way people can interpret things to mean whatever they want them to mean to fit their goals and needs and whatever. I mean, everything from, I mean, that's, it's the whole premise of Cardinal Glick himself, right? Is he's, he's, he's deemed that this activity, if you walk through this archway or through the door or whatever, all your sins are absolved. Like he's just some dude who's trying to get people into the church. Right. right. Yep. And if you look through history, no matter how religious you are, it's a fact that that kind of stuff has happened throughout history. Right. Oh, yeah. right. Tithes back in, you know, forever. Right. You know, like mm-hmm. pay us and your sins are absolved. Uh, you know, things like that. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's not that far fetched from that very basic premise. And it's, and it's actually at this time, it was kind of his magnum opus because like it was a movie that he had written actually even before clerks and that he'd been toying with and rewriting and, and tweaking for years before it finally got made. It was the movie he always wanted to make. And it was born out of his own, again, his own experiences with the church and his own, you know, I forget like how the idea popped into his head kind of, but like it was something that he had been working on for years that he wanted to write. And again, playing with that idea of dogma, right? The stories, not so much the statutes, but like the stories, right? Like Mm -hmm. I think one of the, points he's kind of making if he is making a point i mean again 
it's a movie with a rubber poop monster. It can't be that serious, right? But like, so what if God enjoys coming down to the boardwalk now and then in human form and playing skee-ball? How does that change anything at all? So what if, uh, if there were actually 13 apostles and one of them got, they forgot about when they were writing it all down, how does that change anything about the Jesus story or the sermon on the Mount or the, the crucifixion or anything at all? Right. Like Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, again, going back to those things of like, so what, like how do these little things actually, and, and that's the kind of stuff that pisses people off. Right. Which, Mm -hmm. you know, again, I'm not, personally a religious person. So I, I can't speak as though I understand how they feel or whatever, but like from that standpoint of like, what are you so mad about? <laughs> right. Like, right. like oh, the, yeah. the, they're, they're playing with what really is kind of a silly premise. You know, it's got some, again, great lines in it. It's got Jane silent Bob right there. This movie cannot possibly be taken that seriously. Right. I would say, if anything, the one thing that's probably protestable is the fact that he cast George Carlin as Cardinal Glick. Like, right. that was kind of a middle finger. Yeah, right? he, he knew that that was not going to go <laughs> he, over well. But, like, who else could play that character? It's perfect. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's George Carlin playing George Carlin to an extent, right? Right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is another one. Like Like you said, you know, Alan Rickman shows up and he nails it, as he always does. Uh, it's got uh, uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, at, like, again, right off there. This was 1999, so this would have been a couple years off of being, you know, the Hollywood Golden Boys. Uh, but but this was actually a movie that Ben Affleck had read the script of years before uh, and had been wanting to make with Kevin Smith. So, like, after bouncing back with Chasing Amy, plus Ben Affleck was like, I want to do this movie that's what really gave him the opportunity to be like, okay, Miramax, I need 20 million bucks and we'll, we'll go make this movie. And they were right. like, take my money. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. You've got the, a couple of the biggest movie stars in Hollywood right now, like on board already. Which do it. like, <laughs> you know? by the way, I'm it, like, it says a lot about how much Affleck clearly liked this script mm-hmm. because I mean, if you're Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, this could be career suicide. Like this could have been a really big pro. Like if yeah. obviously there were protests, all that thing, but like yeah. they still went on to have careers, but there's a, there's a very real scenario where I could have seen it just derailing yeah. their entire yeah. thing. Cause they hadn't been in that many movies yet. Yeah. And so it's like, I, I yeah, I would have, it wouldn't have surprised well, me. Well, apparently he actually sent way back when he was making chasing Amy, he actually sent the, uh, the script to Ben Affleck. He sent them both to him at the same time. And was like, Hey, here's chasing Amy. By the way, this is this other one that I've been working on. And when he came back to him, he was like, "Never mind, chasing Amy. I want to make this one, this one I want to make right now. But he was like, they're only going to give me $300,000 to make a movie. I I can't, I can't make this movie on that small of a budget. Like that one needed to be grand and it needed to, you know, big mechanical wings and, a few special effects and a rubber poop monster and and things like that, you know? Um, But, uh, but yeah, so, so at the time I would definitely say this, this movie at one time was probably my favorite movie. Like I, when this came out, I just thought it was genius. I mean, I, I, I loved the premise of poking fun at religion. I always do. (laughs) Um, Of course. I, 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 
I loved, you know, the everything from the the premise to the jokes to the the character. Chris Rock comes in in a brilliantly hilarious role as Rufus the Thirteenth Apostle, who got written out of the Bible because he was black, <laughs> and Jesus still owes him twelve bucks. <laughs> 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 like it's just oh, like God. it's just so silly. Um, oh yeah, but yeah, I I I love Dogma. Oh yeah, I mean it's. I mean, it should be. Are we doing ratings? You want to do I, that? I think so. I'm I'm looking at my notes here. Uh, I don't have a whole lot else to say about it because nope. again, we're getting recurring themes. Oh, we didn't mention that uh, Alanis Morissette plays God, uh-huh, which, which is probably another middle finger. Like, you know. Not Honestly, as bad, I don't, but like I don't think that is. I don't. Whereas George Carlin, he specifically took someone who is known for like being a an outspoken basher of religious ideology and and religion in mm. general. I don't think Alanis Morissette was. That was more of a he had met her somehow or talked to her about potentially playing some other part in a movie. I think at one point she was a candidate to play the main character that ended up being Linda Fiorentino, but something didn't work out. She went on tour or something. I don't know. Plus she was like, I'm not an actress. I can't play the lead. You know, I can't carry the movie. But afterwards, at some point she came back into the picture and the more he thought about it, he was like, why, why not? Like we're kind of putting things, you know, on their heads anyway. Like, right. What if he opens the door and it's this petite woman played by Alanis Morissette? Like, again, like, how does that change anything, really? And yet it's kind of, again, a little subtle, like, why not? You know, let's have some fun with it. So uh, uh, more more cameos, of course, from from past viewers universe situations and and characters. You mentioned the protest at the uh, abortion clinic. That's, again, Brian Johnson and Walt Flanagan, who accost her character she's walking into work and and uh walt flanagan says tell him steve dave again um just like he does in mall rats uh brian o'halloran's a reporter right yep brian o'halloran yeah. shows up as a reporter on the tv when uh, bartleby's going crazy and killing people uh it's i think as up to that point it was the only movie the only Jay and Silent Bob movie, or sorry, he was the only actor from like all the movies that besides Jay and Silent Bob that had been in every single one. Oh, um, because he he pops up in Mallrats. He's one of the contestants in the game show. Right. He pops up in Chasing Amy. He's like the uh, TV executive that wants to give him the TV deal. Him and Matt Damon, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then here he shows up in the background on the TV. Um what a oh another funny piece of trivia that that he's talked about ad nauseum in his various stand up things and and commentaries and whatever and you can actually find it on YouTube if you look it up there's a clip where on like opening weekend where you know he's living in New Jersey in his hometown or whatever they were there was a protest a bunch of religious people were protesting the movie theater out on the curb and so he and his friend Brian Johnson who plays Steve Dave and all these things and Mm. who the Randall character was based on. They drove down to the movie theater and joined the protest and they made signs and everything. And they were out there protesting his own movie with them. And the local news station went down and was filming like 
for the the you know eleven o'clock local news or whatever. And they actually get Kevin Smith on camera and he gave his name as Brian Johnson, not Kevin Smith. <laughs> and they're and he's being interviewed like as a protester. And they're like, Well, have you seen the movie? And he's like, No, but I know it's not good. <laughs> and, and stuff like that. And like he's totally pretending he's one of these protesters. And you can find it on YouTube. There's like the local news clip, and they actually like the the local newscaster knows it's him. And he's like, mm-hmm. so we talked to one of the protesters and he might look a little familiar to you, but they mm-hmm. still gave his, the name that he, he gave right. <laughs> and they show him protesting his own movie, which I don't know. I thought was, oh, was brilliant. One more reason yeah. to like the guy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, just, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say like just a, a couple of tidbits that I found and, that people might not know about. So one that I found particularly hysterical was that Jason Mewes uh, was like adamant about memorizing this script. And apparently he normally has trouble with that, but he was adamant because he didn't want to anger Alan Rickman. He he didn't want to disappoint him. (laughs) Right. Right. And the, the only other thing, and I've heard numerous accounts of this over the years, particularly from Kevin Smith is that Linda Fiorentino and him didn't really get along. They didn't really have, you know, like they, they weren't on speaking terms uh, even through like some of the shooting of this movie, she would like not talk to him and things like that. So it was like just a, a little, a little tidbit. Apparently like they, they have since reconciled their differences, but, yeah, he actually, so I, I, I had heard him talk about that before. It wasn't until I read this book that's behind me here. Uh, mm-hmm. He actually addresses that and he talks about uh, the reconciliation and and uh, kind of coming around to understanding where she was coming from and some of her frustrations. And apparently she was, she felt like she wasn't doing as well as she wanted to, even though he thought her performance was brilliant. I think she does great in the movie. I think she's, yeah, I think she's, she's perfect good. for it. Uh, but he actually even includes in that book, like a copy of this handwritten letter that she sent him, like apologizing and stuff. And so apparently they're like friendly now, but uh, they're, right. yeah, it, it, it was uh, apparently a, not the sunniest of working relationships though at the time. So with that, like I said, I love the concept and I love the execution of this movie. I, I really enjoy it. Um, I give it an A. Uh, probably no surprise there. Nope, no surprise. Um, so I gave it a B. Um, as much as I really enjoy a lot of the commentary on Christianity and things like that, I, I find it really funny. I think there's a lot of funny things at work here i just my only thing and this is like the only real gripe i have is that i can't watch this movie very frequently like i i it's like once in a great while and that's and it's just like something about like yeah something about the way it is i i I really can't put my finger on it honestly i I would agree with you to the extent that this movie unlike most of his others to me feels long I would agree. Like with that. it yep. feels, it, it is kind of long. It's like two and a half hours or something, and it feels kind of long. Yeah. Yep. But That's... I give it an A anyway. Ray, 
Brandon at Random Reviews, artwork, theme music, and podcast are written, performed, recorded, engineered, directed, and produced by Brandon Griffiths in association with Brandon at Random Reviews Entertainment. 